today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It was a uh, rather interesting day on, on the stand yesterday. Of course, this is the uh, a trial that uh, has been raging and uh, catching the national, if not international, attention, uh, that being the trial of Derek Chauvin uh, in the uh, the death of uh, George Floyd, of course, last summer in Minneapolis. Yesterday, the uh, chief of police of the Minneapolis Police Department took the stand. Uh, joining us to talk about this and the implications of the testimony is uh, Thane Rosenblum. Thane, of course, is a CBS uh, radio legal analyst. And, and always a pleasure, Thane, to have you back on the program. Thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure talking to you, Bill. He is uh, an interesting s- fellow, uh, Chief uh, Madaria Adirondo, uh, and also uh, Lieutenant uh, Richard Zimmerman, a couple of the senior officers uh, in the Minneapolis Department. Basically, there's some pretty damning testimony against the methodology that was used in this situation. Yes, Bill, and I don't know whether Canadians know of or also practice the blue wall of silence, um, which in the United States means, you know, cops protect cops. They don't, they don't speak negatively about cops. They don't testify against cops. And so this is something you just never see. Uh, two senior officers, the police chief and the lieutenant, who was the longest serving officer in, in that precinct or maybe even in Minneapolis, testifying like, hey, this is just not what we do. Uh, the police chief yesterday was just saying, look, you know, um, you know this is not part of the manual. Um, you know, sometimes uh, use of force is necessary, but it wasn't was not present in this situation, uh, and and so therefore, and we don't we really would teach de-escalation techniques here, um, stabilizing the situation. I think he used that term of art peacefully is important, um, but in in no shape or form was he said at some point. I think he said something like restraint neck restraints are done with one or two hands not with a knee which i think was the most damning thing is yeah we we've done this neck restraint but we don't put a knee on a neck and so this is important because remember the defense's strategy is among other things to say it, it looks ugly but that's what policing looks like and this particular technique this procedure is pretty standard and was necessary for this situation. And so you have two senior people saying, no, not necessary at all, one, and two, it's not standard. Yeah, and for them to go to the extent that they did, it's not as if, okay, you can do this sometimes in extreme situations. They're saying, no, not at all. Uh, And, of course, one of the former training officers also testified and said, this is not what we teach them to do. Uh, So, I mean, it it puts this whole thing in a different light, doesn't it? You know, (laughs) Words like absolutely violating departmental policy, you know, from your direct superiors, including the police chief. Again, you know, I I think we talked about this last week, uh, and I think Canadians might be of interest in this, which is that the United States, we tend to, juries tend to be very sympathetic to police uh, who, who deal with high crime neighborhoods. Uh, They give them a lot of latitude, a lot of rope. People tend to think, gee, God, I wouldn't want my son or daughter doing this kind of work. And, you know, and these guys were surrounded. The man was twice their size. He was resisting arrest. That's the case they want to make. Very large man, out of control, on drugs, twice our size. We couldn't control him. This is the only way we would keep him down. Uh, And so that's the, the heart of their case, that and... He didn't die because of this anyway. He died because of a drug overdose and underlying health problems. So guess what What also happened yesterday, Bill? 
the ER chief attendant, the doctor, not the EMT people, not the fire department, but the guy, the doctor at the hospital said, look, I tried to resuscitate this man, but he was dead on arrival, and he, he died not from drugs. He died from strangulation, from asphyxiation. And that diagnosis, as that doctor mentioned on the on the stand yesterday, uh, was done absent of any knowledge about what they thought was going to happen, etc. I mean, it was just this is the body. I'm examining the body. No, he died from from this. It had nothing at all to do with the drugs. Uh, which again, I, I don't know if it necessarily disarms the defense uh, in a situation like this thing, but it, it certainly it weakens the, their testimony that the experts uh, who are supposed to be unbiased about this and, and simply are looking at the facts, including the chief of police, uh, are, are basically saying this guy, this guy, I, I don't think the word rogue came up, but it was basically that this guy was acting on his own and he was doing things that we've told him not to do and told other officers not to do. Yeah. Bill, that's right. And also, I was thinking as you were talking about the doctor, you know, last week we had George Floyd's girlfriend testify. And her purpose was to say, look, we were both addicted to painkillers, not crack cocaine. We have what a lot of people now have, opioid addictions because of painkillers and prescription pills. And so all family members have something like that. And yes, you know, when the defense questioned her, they said, well, he did OD a year ago. And she admitted that he had the the foaming of the mouth, which was the indication of that. So had the doctor said, he came in immediately, and, you know, the first thing I noticed was foaming in his mouth. (laughs) This is exactly what the defense needed, right, to say there was a question of what it was. Could it have been the drugs or was it asphyxiation? But the doctor had said nothing about anything that would indicate to him a drug overdose. The chief also made another interesting point about this, and I think we've talked about this in some of the other trials that have gone on in the last year or so involving officers as well, uh, that he actually, uh, according to the chief's testimony, uh, Chauvin violated department policy by not rendering medical aid to Floyd uh, when they couldn't find a pulse. I mean, and, and uh, we've found this in other cases. Even if, if the, uh, somebody is shot and they're laying on the pavement, it's the officer's duty to make sure that aid is available, whether you call 911 or try to do something yourself. Uh, and apparently he did nothing. And apparently that's, they think, an, another piece of damning evidence. Yeah, and it reminds me also of something that happened last week with this person, the bystander, who was an MMA uh, fighter. And so he was the one that said, hey, man, I know all about chokeholds. That's my job as an MMA fighter. And he's yelling at the police. At first he's talking, and later he's saying, hey, man, you're choking him to death. You know, and he's actually describing what's actually happening. Blood flow to the brain, you know, lack of air. He's going to die. So the purpose of that testimony was to say Chauvin's hearing all of this and he's completely indifferent to the consequences, right, which is your point. You know, he probably had an obligation to render aid, but it's not like he didn't even understand it, right, because the crowd was even telling him. He could have said, look, in the, you know, again, the, the latitude that's given to police, you're saying split-second decision-making. This is a very large man. I finally got him on the ground, and I have to keep him on the ground. That's all I could think about right now. Things are moving quick. It's a fast-moving situation. Again, that's what the defense is going to try to tell the jury. Imagine yourself in that situation, right? The guy outweighs you. He's built like a linebacker. You're not a very big person, right? So the split-section decision-making is undermined by a crowd that's actually saying you're choking him to death. Yeah.
and the uh, was the off-duty firefighter that tried to render assistance and was uh, rebuffed too. We'll see how the uh, the defense responds to it as well today. Thane, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for this. Really appreciate the time. Anytime for you, Bill. Take care. Take care. Thane Rosenbaum, of course, CBS Radio legal analyst. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.